This episode is presented to you by Rec Broadheads. If you're in the market for a new broadhead for this upcoming season with unprecedented accuracy that flies true to a field point, check out Rec Broadheads. It's a father-son company. It's probably made right here in the US of A. They'll be adding a couple new weights this year for those of you who like a little bit more weight up front. If you guys want to save a little bit of money on your next purchase, use code ORIGINHUNT over at recbroadheads.com. What's up, guys, and welcome back. You are listening to episode number 28 of the Origins of the Hunt podcast. This week, I sit down with Michigan resident Josh Arbogast. Josh is, uh, I guess you could call him a newer onset hunter. He didn't start hunting until a few years back, and now he is just like the rest of us and full-on blown addicted to it. And he is, man, he's, he's come a long way from, I mean, what I would call you know, a lifetime hunter. Uh, just talking to Josh, you can see his passion and how he really just he really just takes it all in, and uh, he's in it for the experience and not really, you know, he's he's just done it for all the right reasons. It seems. I mean, he's a hard worker. He he puts in the time. Uh, he's putting in these summer scouting trips. He's just out glassing, uh, putting some cameras up. He's even made a uh, a little home away from home in the back of his truck, which. I have slowly kind of watched over the past few months how it just got better and better. It started out with like a cot in, in the back, and now he's got like a, a removable bed, lifts up with lights underneath it and keeps all of his stuff. He's, he's wiring in different lights here and there. He's even talking about getting a little bit of heat in there. So yeah, man, he's he's definitely come a long way for what I would consider a, a late onset hunter. And uh, we, we kind of dive into a lot of topics, you know, between his summer scouting trips and his swamp scouting, the the habitats he's hunting uh, up in there, how he's how he's targeting these animals. These these uh, these islands are pretty hard to get to, but you know he's 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 mainly kind of just hunting the edges, hunting those hard transitions. Which we uh, we bounce a few ideas off each other when it comes to that because I don't know if anybody out here is from Michigan. Uh, I know a lot of people are probably from Pennsylvania, but I have noticed the similarities to these two states, and it just seems like. They don't get any more similar, to, in my opinion. Uh, two states, the, the, between the hunting pressure and and uh, the properties itself, you know, the, the habitat. And I've talked about this before on other podcasts with the Michigan resident, and it, it just seems like we have a lot in common. And I can tell you, I could have talked to Josh all night about hunting and just, just bullshitting with him, and it was a great conversation. Can't thank Josh enough for coming on. And, uh, you know, sharing a little bit of the Michigan, Michigan knowledge and just, and just shooting the shit with me, man. It was, it was a great time. Remember, guys, if you are liking what's going on here at the Origins of the Hunt, be sure to leave a five-star rating as well as a written review and a follow wherever you guys are listening to your podcast at. Helps me know where I am with you guys and how I can continue to grow and get better. Thank you guys all for the continued support, and let's get to it. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to Origins of the Hunt podcast. This week, we are sitting down with Michigan resident Josh Arbogast. Josh, what's going on, man? How you doing, man? Hanging in pretty, there. Yeah, pretty good. We had our uh, nice little BS session before we recorded, and I told you I do it way too much. I just need to hit record earlier because a lot of good stuff slips through the cracks, I feel like. <laughs> it's always the bullshit sessions that are it is. good combo, man. It is. So it happens when you get like-minded guys together. Do you want to give everybody a little background on yourself? Uh, I'm Michigan resident, born and raised. Um, 
born just outside of Detroit, so I'm a, I'm a city kid. Um, coming up, obviously, uh, always had an interest for the outdoors. Um, grew up fishing and, you know, playing sports and stuff like that, but never was into hunting until, when, I guess you would call it an adult onset hunter. Um, so, like, my late 20s, I started getting into hunting and real thick caught an obsession with it. Um, so that, that that's really my story. I'm not the guy that has uh, all the permission. I'm not the guy that has the all the knowledge. I'm pretty much doing what I do on, I guess you would say, uh, just boot rubber, pretty much. I, I can't afford to lay back on my knowledge because I don't have it. So I'm constantly just putting in the work. Always trying to learn. Yeah, I see you're doing a, a ton of like, I don't know if you do it all year long or if you, it's just cause it's getting closer season, but it seemed like you're going on like a, some summer scouting trips recently. Yeah, I do that as much as I can. Um, being as close to the city as I am, I don't have much property around me that's worth anything. So anytime like the weekend falls, I take off as much as possible to go up North, um, North of me. Um, and I'm gone for about two days. I try to scout, sleep, wake up, glass, scout. Try to stay on them all year long, pretty much. Yeah, much that's, that's the that's the that's the hard part. I don't feel like I don't. There's one buck in particular that I've kind of followed for a couple of years, and he's nothing crazy big. I think honestly, I think he went downhill last year. The first time I actually saw him on the hoof was like a week after I tagged out. And he was like 17 yards, just came right down the pipe looking at me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I, <laughs> I put a lot of effort into this one little piece of private I hunt. I threw a lot of cameras out this year just trying to locate them. But other than that one deer, I don't think I've ever – I've never really been able to follow them all year. I've tried. But, I mean, even just staying on, on deer in general, because like most of the places I hunt, uh, I mean, you know all too well about – high pressured areas oh yeah so i mean it seems like they're always they're always always on the go you know oh I, yeah you they're either homers or they're roamers you all you hear that saying a lot and i think i have a lot more roamers around here i've never really ran into a, a homer deer unless there is one doe she was a homer i think she finally died of i don't know if she died of old age or what she had a broken ear and she busted me in a stand one time and I'm telling you, she would, I would see her like completely the wind blowing in my face. And I'd see her like 80 yards away and she would just be like staring at my tree. Like the fucker's <laughs> in there, isn't he? I'm like, I wouldn't even be moving. And she would just blow. I'm like, she just knew I was in that tree when I was in that tree. I couldn't, yeah. I mean, I had, I wanted to kill her, but she never gave me an option. And then she, <laughs> she raised her little ones for like two years, three years in that area. I'm like, she's just teaching these. I, I, I didn't have that stand for a long time because she was like, she was worse than the hunting pressure. Yeah. She was. yeah I'm like, sure you would have liked to taken her out of there. Yeah. And like I said, I think she, I honestly think she died of old age. Yeah. Because like the one day, one year I saw her on a, on trail camera, her jaw was like hanging open. She didn't have any teeth. And she just, she didn't look very good. It was, yeah. it was after season. And like I said, she, I think she ended up probably dying over that winter because I never saw her again after that. 
Yeah. I, I don't get that whole follow process too much either here. Um, I know some guys that, that are able to follow deer for quite some time. And I get a couple that I see pretty frequently. Um, but I see a lot of, so we have a lot of smaller tracks of public land here too. And I, I don't, I've never hunted PA. I don't know a lot about it, but we have a lot of smaller tracks. So they tend to get pushed down a lot. Um, and then the ones that do stay are very, very deep you know, in the high stem count stuff. And it's not always easy to get a camera on them and things like that. Um, we get, so you get up in like the Northern parts of Michigan and you have these giant tracts of public land, just big woods, but that's where they talk about the soil content and things like that. Deer don't get as big. I mean, deer get big all over Michigan. Like right. people talk about that, but deer get big in Michigan. You just have to find them and it's just a little bit further for me trying to put in the work that I'm trying to put in to get to those areas. Yeah, I definitely. PA and Michigan, man, I don't think I've heard of two states or any more similar because that's exactly how it is here. Like where I'm at, we just have small parcels. But if you drive to the central part of the state, like you can go miles and miles and miles on public. And like sometimes you don't even cross a road. Yeah. You know I mean, like it's just, <laughs> yeah. And I, I've never, like, if I get lost on like on private around here, like, if I walk more than, if I'm walking a half a mile or a mile, I'm lost. If, you know, I'm definitely yeah. not on public anymore. Like, it's yeah. just not how it is around here. And there's sometimes, like, there was a day last year, I think I put in about four miles of scouting. Um, it was in season, you know, so it was just get up early and go scout and then try to hunt the nighttime. And I walked about four miles but I probably walked past four parking lots too. Right. You know, so it was like just in and out. There's so many access spots, but I'm passing all of them. You know, so yeah, I, I can go walk on, on, on public and I can put in a few miles, but I'm yeah. also walking like the perimeter and then I'm zigzagging all through it. And yeah, but I mean, yeah, other than that, like if thing. I went as the crow flies, you're yeah, you'd be lost. You definitely, you're just not, you don't have to worry about it where I'm at. But I know these guys that they can go, like I said, central part of the state, man, that's what the big woods are around here. And everybody, I think they did, a lot of people just think Pennsylvania is all big woods. I mean, the name Pennsylvania means Penn's woods. So yeah. people just associate it with all big woods, but I, I'm more farmland. I got a lot of crops around me, small tracks and good luck getting you know permission You'd be better off asking to take somebody's wife out to dinner, I think, than than, than them lending on other property sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, so what are your parcels like on private? Because a lot of our, like, you know, it's always the back 40 we talk about yeah. here. Everybody's just got a smaller parcel of land. And I know yeah, some of the states are just giant tracks. Yeah, we don't have at least that I can think of off the top of my head. Now, if it is like a big parcel, they're, they won't be big parcels, but they'll be the same owner, I guess, because yep. it's like a farm. Uh -huh. But yeah, there's it's the same way. It's like somebody has, you know, 40 acres and they developed, you know, the front five or six acres and then the back's like their honey hole. And they, yeah, it just, then there's a box blind on each side of it. Yep. 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 There sure That's is. The you can thing. see them from the road. There's one guy that it, they have a farm dude doesn't archery hunt at all and i've asked him like hey can i just because on the other side of the field is 
private or is public. And it's just a bitch to walk to going through private or going through the public. And I'm like, can I, do you mind if I just like access, just walk through your field, you know, in the, in the, for an evening hunt or something? No. I'm like, dude, you're not even hunting right now. Like, I just want to walk through your field. I'm, I'm helping you out. I won't like, if you have a, a buck, you, you know, you named or, you, you know, you're, you're feeding or whatever the hell you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I won't shoot that deer or something, you know, but like, no. I'm like, okay, well, I'm still going to hunt back there. You do understand that, right? Like, it's public. Oh, like, yeah. You, you could just help me out and let me walk, like, a fraction of the – no. <laughs> he got a big-ass box blind you can see from the road. I'm like yeah. – uh, I actually <laughs> – I was on my way to work this year, and it was, like, it was spring. And I I was driving by, and I look over, and I see – it was the snow was just melting. And it was, like, a, a warm week. And I look out, and I swore I saw Tyne sticking up out like 50 yards in the field. I jacked on my brake, killed my headlight. I, I, I take off running. <laughs> I take off running. It was just fucking beanstalks. I was so pissed. I'm like, this dude's going to be ticked if he sees me. <laughs> He's already told me. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm like I just want to know if it's, a, if it's a nice one that's living back there. <laughs> yeah, I, I do the same thing. I mean, I, I was just up glassing. I actually left work yesterday uh, about 3.30, and I had drove about two and a half hours up to change some batteries just in a day trip, you know, and uh, I glassed up and I don't know how it is where you're at, but every time I glass, the minute I tap my brakes, they're looking or they're running. Oh yeah. Most of the time they're yep. running. Yep. You know, it's, and it doesn't get any off. better the closer to the season. Like, Oh, it's, yeah. It gets worse. I don't, I was listening to, I forget who it was. Fuck was it? I was just listening to a podcast and they were saying they were, they saw like 150 inch deer out in the bean field. I, I just stopped and watched it and it didn't do a thing. But if you do that in October, it yeah. was like 50 yards away. And like if you do that in October and I don't know if it's something about the weather that's like in, instilled in their brain that they know that like, Trigger. Yeah. yeah, like the weather starts cooling down, they get more on edge or if it's, it's just more people are stopping and looking at them. And that's why they start getting more skittish. We had these three. I, my taxidermist, I showed him pictures of it when I picked my buck up this year. He said they were fallow deer and we don't know where they came from because we don't have fallow deer in Pennsylvania. I mean, there are some farms that like, I think out of the central part that you can hunt like goats and, and all these like kind of exotics, but it's nowhere near us. But there's these two little zoos that, that it's right in the middle of. And like, it's like 20 minutes North, 20 minutes South. And they're the same, technically the same zoo, but they're just different names, I guess. And I'm like, I started thinking, well, if they, if they escaped there, they could have followed the Creek and they'd end up right here. It's not that crazy to think. And we asked and they're like, no, all of our, all of ours are tagged and they, uh, they, we don't have anything missing. So we were seeing them like regularly. I got, I got pictures of them. Like I could have, I was even going to take a little bucket of stone and shake it, see if they came to me, see if they were a pet. Yeah. But like, and now, now anytime you see them, like if you even touch your brake or even think about stopping, they're gone. So, so many people have stopped and seen them. Cause at first everybody's like, at first I thought they were three pie balls. I'm like, there's yeah. no way. Like there's three pie ball deer, like a family of them walking around. Yeah. That's, genetically. I don't think that would ever Odds happen. Are just super low. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I took pictures of them and I'm looking at, and I just, 
I put them on on my Instagram and I'm like, what are these? And everybody's like trying to figure it out. A couple of people said follow deer. But when I took it to my, I showed my taxidermist. He said they had Adam's apple and they're one of the only deer species that have an actual Adam's apple. Wow. And, okay. and he's like, you can shoot them. Like they're technically not a game animal or something like that. He's like, you can shoot them. I'm like, oh no, man, I'm not trying to shoot somebody's pet. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a touchy one. And then he starts telling me what people pay to like hunt these things in Texas and stuff like that. Oh He's yeah, like, a couple thousand dollars to hunt, hunt them. I, I know where three of them are running around. If you want them, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know, these deer that run when you pull up and stop, and sometimes it's like a struggle even because I'll run around with a like a phone scope and a um, spotting scope on my window. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to pull over like a mile down the road and put the camera on and hit record because the minute I even tap the brakes, they're gone. So like sometimes I actually posted a video um, yesterday on my Instagram of deer taking off and running while I, you know, just hit the brakes. And that was, I mean, they were pretty far out from me, you know, they just don't play. You barely have time to hit record. These high pressured states, man, they're always on edge. Yeah. Crazy. So when you're taking these summers, well, I, well, we'll start with this. I've noticed that you you made some upgrades. You, you made a, uh, is that like a new bed you made in your for your truck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So go over, um, your, go over your little setup you got in your truck in your truck camping. All right. So past couple of years, uh, I I had a camper. You know, I had a, a travel trailer, and that was kind of my home away from home for a couple seasons, and then. Uh, it got to the point where I'm gone every single weekend and there's so much pressure that, so we're allowed to park on in state game areas and camp there. Okay. I don't know how it is. I know a lot of States that's like a no, no, yeah. but we're allowed to camp in state game areas during season and outside of season, really, if you don't say anything. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the travel trailer just became so hard to find like an empty parking lot or, you know, side of the road and it just became a nightmare of paying for camping sites and this, that, and the other, you can't get it down a two track and can't get away from the road. And so I ended up, um, buying a camper shell for my truck. Um, I've done the tent thing obviously, but I bought a camper shell for my truck and, um, I was running a cot for a while. And then this year I was like, okay, you know, I'm spending so much time in the back of my truck, <laughs> summertime, wintertime, <laughs> spring fall whatever that i just i built a bed out back there and um, i'm slowly upgrading that um to where uh like right now i have the whole thing wired into like a 12 volt cigarette lighter Mm -hmm. and i plug it into just a portable power station like a solar generator um and i'm gonna run a uh, a solar panel and like a diesel heater um throughout the whole winter this year maybe a 12 volt fridge i'm thinking so make yeah. it a little bit more homely yeah i was gonna say definitely a home you need a little disco ball back there yeah for sure yeah it was you know it's it's just kind of spiraled into comfort a couple fans i built in the bed i just wired it up with electric just to you know extra charging ports and things like that get my gopros charged and stuff like that so i'm sure the more you go the more you're you'll you'll probably realize like oh man this would be nice because i think you you, didn't you add did you add lights to like your compartment under your bed 
Yeah. So, you know, I, God, I'm like a YouTube addict <laughs> when it comes to learning things. So I'm constantly, when I get on a kick, like I'm constantly, I'm reading everything, I'm YouTubing everything and, you know, trying to pull things from every, same way I do hunting. I try to pull yeah. ideas from everywhere, you know? So when I decided to kind of build the bed back there, it was like, looking at things and I ran into this guy and that's actually where I like, I got the idea for um, like the panel that he used uh, the decorative panel, I guess you'd call it. And I was like, yeah, it looks cool. So I stole his idea on that. And then he also had like some lights outside when you drop the tailgate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's awesome. Like getting ready in the dark to pull yep. up and he's got the two LEDs right there. I was like, that would be great to, you know, just get your stand ready or your bow, whatever you're doing on the tailgate. So yeah, I put some lights around the bed. Um, I wired in the the dome light on the topper just to a quick disconnect called the ASC plug. So the whole thing I can pull in and out and I can still use my truck if that's the case. And it's super light. I can pick it up by myself and it's just, you know, it's removable. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. All the wiring, nothing's permanent. And awesome. when I get home, I can pull it out if I want. Right. Yeah. That's, I've been following along watching like every, it seems like, cause like I said, you're always, it seems like the past few weekends, at least like month or so you've been gone. And yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like watching you slowly, like add this, add that. I'm like, I got to <laughs> yeah. talk to this dude. Like he's, <laughs> he's doing some cool stuff. Cause if, like, he's, if I could, like, I would, I would just stay on the road. Like if yeah. I had one of those jobs that people have where they're just, you know, working from home and mobile, Right. I just God call somebody call Earth Roamer and just tell them to loan me one of those things. <laughs> I'll just I'll just stay out there, man. Yep. Yep. Some of these guys are living the dream, especially after COVID. They're like, I'm not, I don't ever have to go back in the office as long as oh, I have yeah. my, my computer and I can you know, you they someone was I was, I think it might have been someone I just had on. They were saying how they were might have been Tim Sasak. Might have been him. He had to drive he was driving out west to hunt. And he was like, I would drive like 12 hours or 14 hours and just stop and work for four and then yes. sleep for X amount of hours. And he's like, I was only burning half a days then on a vacation because I would be able to stop and work for four hours oh, like while I was unwinding and then I would sleep and just do it. Because it's an ideal situation. Yeah. Like you're dry. He was driving from like the eastern part of PA. And if you're driving out to like Idaho, like probably two and a half, three day drive. So really you only burn a day and a half instead of three days if you can work for four hours a day i'm like man i need it i took the wrong career path in that aspect oh yeah i'm a <laughs> i'm a maintenance guy so i'm a, i'm on site i yep. can't work from home you know yep that's how it is hey it takes all of us to make the world go round though absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> when you're on these scouting trips man are you uh are you glassing a lot are you putting cameras out yeah so you know God. I run cameras, but I am like the worst camera person of all time. I'm I'm so I, I think what it is is I try to get too detailed with my cameras and I try to put them pinpoint automatically. You know, I don't take that broad spectrum of like inventory like like they're really meant for, you know. Right. Like at this time of year you should be trying to get inventory. And I'm just super focused and I'll get in an area and I'm like that's it. That's where he's from, you know, and I'm trying to get him coming out on a certain trail. So my camera inventory is, it's not always the best. Um, but I do run cameras. Um, 
I think a lot of the land that we have here is like the fields are all it's probably similar everywhere but a lot of the fields are are private land and then you're kind of your wooded areas your public and it's something about putting the cameras on those field edges that are um, even public i just feel like that's where everybody else is putting stuff and they're constantly putting foot traffic so yep. i don't always put them there just i don't want anything stolen and you know cameras aren't i run cell cams now because i'm within two hour drive every right. time i go somewhere yep. and it's just if i was and i was running tascos and then i drive two hours and realize somebody stole my camera and it was just like really you know yep. so that's why i kind of kind of been upgrading to like the tacticams um but still you know I, I have five cameras out right now it's not anything major it's just more just putting boots on the ground and seeing what's going on. If I can catch on to a pattern early season, there's, you I've, know, I've seen you like, I don't know. It seemed like the evenings you're just kind of posted up in, in the, in the truck bed with your, with your spotting scope up. Yeah. Now are you, once you locate, like say you do locate a big one or, you know, a, a good buck, mm -hmm. do you, do you like get on an aerial map and try to figure out where he was going, where he came from, or do you just kind of, you know, are you are you zeroing in on them that way, or are you kind of just diving right in, putting the camera up, or just how you so, how you work in that situation? I I do do a lot of aerial map, um, you know, trying to figure things out from a, from a topo and things like that. But I don't always find in the high pressure areas that they correlate as well. She's um, me and one of a couple of the guys. Um, at the expo just had this conversation a couple weeks ago and i feel like so much emphasis is placed on aerial scouting and just e you know mapping yep. that technology is like people are running with that and and that's great because it does help i mean don't get me wrong you can look and you go okay that's a great bedding area but you still have to check it oh yeah so i feel like a lot of times people just they're not checking these things and it's kind of a downfall it can hurt you as much as it can help you so i am using aerial maps but i find a lot of these deer by glassing yep. um, because they get pushed in some of these areas that you wouldn't ex we talked about it deer doing things that they shouldn't be doing um they get pushed in some areas that you're like wow I, you know i can't believe that was it and um just back little pockets and they can be small pockets, but I, you know, there was a really nice deer that I had, um, got a video of the other day in glassing and he was crossing the road to feed in an, on private, but I have him on camera a few times crossing, um, cameras a little bit away from the road, but he's, he's daylighting, you know, at this time of year, really. but so I, I've been a little bit lucky with my cameras in glassing and finding a deer and then trying to backtrack it um, that way. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, where I'm at. Like, if, I, if I see one from the road or even if I jump one, you know, in the woods, or if I get a, if I get eyes on one, the first thing I'm doing is pulling up my map and looking at Topo to see where, why they were there, I guess. And, you know, and then I'll dive into the actual area like 
and start dissecting it that way because yeah it, did he just get bumped from somewhere else you know and and you know did did i bump him before or was a coyote chasing him and he ended up in the middle of that field and he doesn't even live there yeah so i'm the same way like i have to go i don't know how many times it happens to everybody that you go you're like oh man this looks like a great spot on the map and you go yeah. there and you're like this sucks this is nothing like <laughs> i thought it was but i mean anymore everybody everybody can read a map yeah so like it's you're starting to see a lot of these guys are finding those there's little points or stuff stuff bowls that aren't on the map and the only way you're finding those there's just being out there i 100%. don't think anything anything replaces time spent in the woods oh absolutely not boots are everything i think at the end of the day especially in season for me i do a lot of in-season scouting um and that's like my bread and butter is finding deer in season i just listened to cody uh dequisto I don't remember who he was talking with, but it was, it, it really made me start thinking he, he has this method that he, he was saying he does where he'll purposefully pressure deer uh -huh. to where he tries to push him into an area, figure out where they went. And then they, he leaves them alone. And then when they come back to that area, he'll do it again. And then he sets up to kill them in the area. Like their, their B plan. I'm yeah. like, Man, that makes so much sense because so many times you you bump these deer hunting usually, yeah. And a lot of you you just want to go back to where you jumped them from, you know, maybe a couple of days later. But I'm like, yeah. okay, well, what happens if you jump them again? Then what? You you got to figure out where they're going, not just where they were. Yeah. So the, I heard that, and I mean, it was one of those aha moments. Like, I'm not going to say I'm going to bull rush into a budding area and blow out 140 inch deer on purpose right but it's something that definitely made a lot of sense to how many times you jump a deer and you may see where what the direction they're going but you don't know where they actually end up you know i mean i don't think you ever exactly know where they end up but you can but probably that's where you can pull that map out and kind of try to put those pieces together right. and get the next best yeah. thing you know right and like okay yeah. so yeah like you said here's b area here's the next best cover he's probably yeah. going to go there so then give it a few days and then go search that area look for sign yeah. look for a lot of people are finding these you know they'll find a track if you've i've never been like we said earlier we've never been the type to, i think it's just because of the area we hunt but they'll find like a, a the same deer year by year and they'll be able to tell by their hoof print that deer <laughs> i wish you know, i was like oh man they're like oh there's a chip in his left toe on his right front hoof i'm like and if i see a big three or four finger track um i don't care if it only has a you know has three toes i'm that's the yeah. only way i'm going to be able to tell the difference yeah yeah i am not that <laughs> like i'll be the first to tell you i'm all ears because i am not that distinguished in my hunting career where i'm gonna figure something like that oh yeah he's got a chip nope. in the left toe yeah. I am not a pro like that, you know. Nope. I'm I'm definitely no uh, no Troy Pottinger or anybody like that. Like <laughs> no. the guys who have been doing it. Like I've been hunting more than half my life. I didn't yeah. start this podcast. I don't do this podcast because I think I know everything. I started this podcast because I want to. I want to learn as much as I can. Because yeah. I, I guess we were talking before. Like I've killed good deer, but I I don't have a, my whole you know whole wall is not covered in 
you know, Pope and Young's. Oh, yeah. So, so I mean, I, I started this because I want to become a better hunter and I want to be able to pick people's brains and share that knowledge with people who want to listen to. Yeah, 100%. Because that's why I started listening to podcasts was to become a better hunter. And then I'm like, well, I enjoy listening to podcasts. And I was a guest on podcasts. So I'm like, I'm just going to start one. So I have a reason to talk to people about deer all year long. Yeah. <laughs> At least once a week. And yeah. like, and like we were talking about podcasts before we got on. And, you know, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, but the ones that I do listen to are people that I think can relate to my situation at the highest level. So not, not the people that have like maybe manicured and I'm not downing anybody, but not the people that have property that they can manage, but the people that are in similar areas to me that are having the greatest success. Those are the people that I would like love to pick their brain. Yeah. I'm the same way, man. You can learn from these people and, you know, and I'm, I'm constantly like on social media, bouncing ideas off of people like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. Could you give me another tidbit from, yeah. you know, from your thought? And it helps a lot of times, you know, and me and some guys have really figured things out sometimes by doing that. And it's, we're all here to help each other. And I think that that's can help a lot. Yeah. Because there's a lot of the opposite going on out there as well. Like, like we were talking before we recorded, like the people that, they just don't want to share information. They don't want to yeah. talk to you about hunting. They don't want to tell you where they're seeing deer. And I, I get to the, I get it to a certain extent. Yeah. But like at the same time, I, it's still, it's just a deer. Like we're just yeah. chasing an animal. Like, yeah, yeah, we're all obsessed with it. We're all addicted to it. Like it, it is all of our passion, but it's still just an animal. Like, yeah, I'm not going like, to tell you what tree to go sit in to kill this right, deer that yeah, watching yep. all summer. But yes, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not super private with a lot of the things that I do yeah. either. You know, like if you ask me where I, where I shot a deer, um, I'll probably be a smart ass and be like, Oh, in the woods, like yeah. not giving you a pen or anything. I'll tell you the situation. I'll tell you what I observed. I'll tell you stuff like that to help you if you're in the same area as me. Yeah. But I'm not like, like you said, I'm not going to be like, yeah, good climbing this tree. Uh, at this longitude and this latitude and yeah. watching the scrape. Yeah. That's I mean, I'm, I'm gonna help you, but I ain't going to give it to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's like some, some of the areas I hunt that have like some local bars that I'll frequent during hunting season. Like they like, sleeping in that truck, it gets cold, you know? So oh, yeah. it's dark at five o'clock. So I'll go to the bar until nighttime and yep. like hang out, talk to some of the locals and, couple of guys are like oh where'd you shoot that one was it in this bedding area over here you know and they'll show you on the you know like ah, you know and a couple of like, guys <laughs> really close you know and you it hurts you to say no you know i don't want to yeah, lie but, but at the same time them. when you're like wait where is that bedding area yeah <laughs> oh, okay well i'm gonna drop a pin there because obviously you know something lives there yeah so there was a couple years ago uh i was at a sporting goods store and this this kid i know he was like Oh, my buddy just shot a, a nice buck. Wow, let me see. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, <laughs> that was on public <laughs> land. I I told him exactly where he shot that deer. And he was like, How do you know? And I was like, Cause I I I hunt I when I chased that deer last year. He had a double throat patch. He had a, a, a split brows. I'm like, I literally it was the place I told you the guy told me no to walk through his field. 
yeah. because I had to circle the whole way around to get to this this deer. And I just wanted to be able to come in through the, like I had to circle a whole way around the swamp to get to them when I just wanted to walk through the field at, at 1230 in the afternoon to try to move in on this deer. And he's like, no. So I hunted them. I saw them a couple times in the woods and I was trying to get closer and closer. And then it's just like around here, pheasant season, small game season comes in and like public land just like I said, we don't have big areas and a lot of them have CRP fields. So the, the bird hunters come in, squirrel hunters, youth squirrel. And I was in the woods one day and I just hear, I see orange coming. I'm like squirrel season, man. And I never saw him again. And this, this kid shot him on the other side of the swamp. And it was like the second week of season. It was 77 degrees on a Wednesday or something like that. And I'm like, ask him where he shot him at because i saw the picture i saw like a trail like a green mode trail and i like the background just looks super familiar and i i told him exactly the road he shot him on like the that public land was on he was like what he wants to know how you know that and i told him like i'm like i want to know where he shot it like just i want to know where that deer ended up early season because i was only hunting him like the end of october and like first week of november and he's like well, he said he shot him like <laughs> it was such a kick in the nuts because he's like, oh, he said he shot him like probably 150 yards off the parking lot. He's had a stand down in there for like a couple of years and said he never saw a deer out of, out of that stand for a couple of years. And he was just this this buck just was right by the parking lot, just cruising, eating some acorns. For, <laughs> like it was like a week and a half into season, and this kid drilled him. I mean, he made a hell of a shot. I mean, he heart shot him at 43 yards. So. Oh yeah. So, I mean, he was definitely a good hunter. It wasn't like he lucked into it, but like, yeah, there's a tiny element of luck there. <laughs> yeah, there was. I'm like, yeah. should he have been there? Like, cause he was probably a four and a half year old deer. I'm like, what was he doing? I mean, I understand there was acorns, but there was also acorns where I was hunting them too. And yeah. it was just way more of a desirable. So the only thing I could think of was maybe that dude from the public or from the private caught wind of them, or maybe I tipped him off by asking, Hey, do you mind if I, I didn't tell him I was hunting a good deer back there, but I was like, Hey man, do you mind? Like if I go back in there from through your field? So I don't know, maybe that tipped them off and maybe he overpressured them because the way the swamp sets up, you can't hunt it. Like you just, you can't hunt it. You can, you can walk through it, but I mean, unless you, unless you crawl into their bed, yeah, you're going to be in water. Like, yes. There's, and if once you get up in the trees around the edge, you can look out and you can see the, trees and you're like well you know they're probably bedding there but can't get to them like without blowing them out yeah so it was just it was just one of those things that you either were going to pattern them which i was kind of had them almost patterned or you were going to catch them getting stupid you know in the rut not thinking or apparently 150 yards <laughs> off the freaking parking lot well there was a deer i was hunting last year and it was my best guess is that he was in a swamp similar to what you're talking about because uh, I found some sign back there that's very um, telling to where I think he would be. And I was kind of throwing darts trying to figure out where he was. I glassed him all summer long okay, on the same bean field. And then as it started to yellow and dry up a little bit, he um, he moved. But he didn't move far. He moved to the next field um, where it was kind of corn. And it's all swamp back in there. 
And early in the season, I know I jumped him because I just went thrashing back there through this swamp. Like you're saying, where it's just one of those places where you can't go without crawling and getting wet. Right. I went wet and crawling and I was bumping deer back in there left and right. And, um, but I had to know, you know, I had to know where he was and I was trying to figure it out. And I had heard nobody locally had seen him again after, after gun season. And I suspect that he was still alive. I didn't think he was ever coming out of that spot. Um, I see most of the time that the bigger deer, and then this deer was, this deer ended up, I'd say 170 plus. I mean, he's a, he would have been a local, like a local giant, you know, right. on public land, he would have been probably in Michigan once in a lifetime deer. And I watched them all summer long. Um, and he, I, I only know one person that's seen him in season. And he said he was one, he said 175 plus, I'm going to go 170 plus just for even number, but he, <sighs> I bumped him out, and then I never seen him again. And I didn't think he'd have any reason to leave unless he got pushed. And I know nobody else had went back in there and pushed him. But after the season, actually early this summer, I was at a car show down here locally, and I was talking to just you know a group of guys. We're all just sitting down talking. One of my buddies is like, "Hey, you know, Josh, come here," and we get to talking. He's like, "This is so and so. He's big hunter," and. He's like, yeah, he's like, look at this deer. He grabs his phone. He's like, look at this deer that my neighbor shot this year. And I was like floored because that deer was eerily similar to the deer <laughs> that I was watching all year. And like, you know, I mean, I spent the better part of the season chasing this deer, trying to pinpoint him where he went, where'd he go. And I said, where did you shoot that deer? And he told me, and I said, was it down by the river? And he said, yeah, he said, my property is actually, you know, X amount of miles right down the river from where you, and he was like 10 miles away and he shot him during gun season, like, you know, middle of the rut type thing. And his neighbor shot him. And I was like, just, <laughs> you know, obviously there's never any confirmation. Like, right. is it eerily similar? Is was it, it genetics? Yeah. yeah. Was it the same genetic genes? But man, I haven't seen that deer all year and I don't know any <laughs> local that shot it. And I've asked yeah. around quite a few times and it's like one of those things where it's like, why do they do that? You know? Yeah. Why? But, yeah. Cause I mean, this is the time of year they're going to start, they're going to start getting ready to fall shift. Yeah. And like, that is a long ways away. Like I was, I don't, I, I beat myself up for a couple of years there. I haven't been archery hunting my whole life. But yeah. in the when I first started, like I was catching, but I, around here, like big deer every summer on cameras, and I'm like, all right, this is my year. And then going in archery, and they're gone. Mm -hmm. So now I understand the the shift. But I've noticed that one or two of them usually come back, like at yeah. some point throughout the rut, they'll run like this creek system, and they'll run that during the rut. And that was one thing that just came with time, but. It, it's always it's always a hard one to swallow when you're like oh so-and-so shot that deer oh, it yeah. happened happened to me this year it was it even harder to swallow when he was two 
the same two hours away that I was, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what's like unbelievable. It's like you hunt there too. You know? Yeah. yeah. This year it wasn't a giant, but he was, a it was a good deer. I, uh, on the one, on the, my one piece of private, I got this deer in a scrape probably about now. And well, one picture, that was it. I'm thinking maybe he just, I, I also, when I first started archery hunting, I and started running cameras. I, I fell into the trap of, well, he's not on camera. He's not there. And then I realized like you sit in the woods and you're hunting and you say, you watch a trail. How many times do you see deer in that sit that just aren't on that trail? Like, yeah. There's 100%. stuff going on everywhere in the woods. Just because he's not a camera doesn't mean he's not there. You ever hunted near one of your cameras and watched them like go past your camera? You don't get yeah. a picture of it. Yep. That's, that's yeah. And that's why I was like, okay with this deer, not, not showing back up. Cause I'm like, okay, that's all I needed. And that's what a lot of like, I, like I was, we were talking before we recorded, like I soak a lot of cameras mm-hmm. and a lot of guys, well, why are you putting cameras out so early? Because I don't care if I get a picture in June or, you know, May, if I see big bases and he's already in May, like out passes, he's going to be a good deer. And I just want to know that he exists. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. That's my just, only purpose for running that camera is knowing yeah. that he's there and he's on public killable. Like I have 10 cameras out right now and it's during season. I probably will run maybe half of that just because like once I get to know that they're there, I'll, I'll keep a couple cameras in my bag. And when I'm out hunting, if I come across some sign, I'm probably going to hunt the sign, but yeah. it, it, I'll probably throw a camera up and then I'll give it a few days to come back and hunt it again on the right, right conditions. Check that camera. If he's not in there, that's the best part about mobile hunting. You just up and move and go to the next oh, yeah. one, try to find the next sign, try to find the next sign. But yeah, I mean, I was, it was early in the season. I stayed out of this private for one reason because i wanted to shoot a buck not on this private like i've shot every buck i think in my life on this on this property and i was like i gotta gotta break it so i just knew better than to go in there i think i went in twice before i shot my buck i shot a doe in there and then i think i went back in actually it might have been before i shot my doe i was in there yeah i think i went in there before i shot my doe too which was like I think it was like the first week of season. It was one of those days. Like I just didn't have a lot of time. It's right by my house. I ran and set up in the tree. And I was in the tree and I'm looking down and I'm like, I swear I saw something down that like CRP little strip, something moving. 20 minutes went by. I'm like, I see it again. I'm like, all right, there's something going on. Like maybe I kept telling myself, they're probably birds, like birds fluttering around. Oh, <laughs> uh, like another 20 minutes goes by and I, I was just happened to be looking that direction and I saw his head. He, every time he was like scratching his back with his antlers or he was just stretching and he was, his antlers would flash in the sun. And I'm like, Oh, that's a freaking buck laying over there. So I'm like, just zeroed in on this, you know, this spot the entire night. I'm just staring, staring, staring. Finally, sure enough, his buck stands up and I'm like, it's him. It's that freaking buck that I got on camera once this whole year and he's 200 yards away. Like, and I had a camera over there too. And I never got him on that camera. Yeah. And it, he stood up 80 yards away. 
looked around, Dick with some branches on a tree above him. And I thought for sure he was going to come down and J-hook the field because I was on the edge of a crop field. I thought for sure he was going to come in right underneath me and give me a shot. And it was last light. All I could see was just white rack walking through the, like, down a, kind of a way. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Do I just wait here and just hope he walks by and not go in the field and not blow him out of here? So instead, I just hurry up and, and climb down and got out of there before he could get to me essentially i knew yeah. by the time he was going to get to me i wouldn't get a shot it'd be i was probably going to be able to watch his antlers underneath me but i wouldn't be able to shoot him so i obviously i left and, and i shot my buck and that i think it was honestly like i shot my buck to 27 that thing on halloween the neighbor kid shot him i mean not very far away then he was just running that creek bottom you know hammering every scrape and every camera that i had and neighbor could show him. I think he shot him on Halloween. That's, you know, the camera thing is like, you see such a, a small, you know, you think about how big woods are and you got a camera that's you know, <laughs> capturing 15 feet of it. Yep. It's like, you know, well, they're coming out of those high stem count areas. So a lot of times it's hard to catch a track coming out of there, mm -hmm. or, you know, in the swamp and the cattails. Good luck getting a track a lot of times. Right. It's so tough. So tough to run cameras. When you're in these swamps, I'm I'm picturing you guys have bigger swamps than than what I got down here. Uh, what kind of habitat are you like looking for? Habitat in the swamps, like islands, or are you more you hunting the edges, trying to catch them, you know, coming out? Are you trying to catch them running the transition? So I'm I'm a big edge edge hunter on the swamp, um, big transition. Um, do hunt some islands. I do try to hunt some islands. Sometimes they're a little tougher to get to blowing um, like satellite deer out that may be closer to the transition. Um, I'd say most of my success comes on the transition. Most of my sightings and everything comes on the transition. I just find it a little bit easier to um, discern where they're coming out at a lot of times. And geez, I mean, they're an animal, right? They can come out wherever the hell they want a lot yep. of times. Some of those trails, there was one last year I probably followed for a mile at who knows where it went, you know, they'll bet on just a little high spot. You can walk over it and never really know anything about it. Right. You know, if the water's high that year. So, um, I try to catch them on the transition, at least get eyes on them in the transition and then maybe can stage hunt from there. Um, but I hunt a lot of cattail. Um, there are some, some varying terrain that I'll hunt, but most of them, most of what I'm looking for is like a cattail, something high, something that they can hide in all day long. Um, maybe some dogwood on the edge that'll give them a little bit of browse when they come out. Um, Cause I do see those deer laid up all day long and then, you know, they'll come out and just eat the first thing that they see. So mostly is there anything I, in the swamps that they eat, like do they eat cattails or they eat anything out in there. Not as far as I know, like I've never, I've never heard anybody confirm that deer eat cattails and I've never right. like seen it myself. So I can't confirm it. Um, Cause I know you'll find like those little out. trees that they'll, they'll bed under. I mean, I could see the mean yeah. like the buds off of those, but you would think a, a mature 200 pound deer can't really last all day, especially if they were running, you know, yeah. running those like they, they're going to have to get up and move. I just right. didn't know and if there was some other source of food out there. That's why a lot of times I think they'll come out, and they'll hit 
you know, whatever's first on the edge. And sometimes they don't even have to come all the way out to eat that, right? So it's like right. they're almost untouchable in those cattails sometimes. Right. I know, like, one of the – I have a buck on camera right now, and he's he's not a big – He's not a big buck by any means. He's actually fairly small, but he's right on the transition coming out and eating. Like I said, he's just eating the first thing he has, and then he's going back in. And I think I'm just kind of lucky by having a camera in that spot to catch him doing this, but he's just, I see that a lot. And, you know, in those, that dogwood too, a lot of times it's hard to get eyes on things unless, especially if you're low. So if they're coming out and they're just eating dogwood, a lot of times you, you know, it's a strip that you can't even really see them in because that's very high stem count stuff too. So they can come out and eat that and they're still hidden and then they're going back in. So it's like, it's very tough to get them to come out far enough to eat acorns or I never, I never have success on acorns at night. I'll catch them in the morning sometimes. Usually it's not a big deer that I'll catch eating them in the morning, but right. All that mast, I never really see him making it to at night, not before dark. So one thing, and I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't want to try to sound like I, I, I figured it out or I know it all, but something that, the way you're explaining things, I've, I've never been successful on a kill with this, but I've gotten, it's kind of how I located that buck that was end up being shot on, on the game lanes I was telling you with the double throat patch. Yeah. So. I try to zero in on swamp edges and transitions that are running. Like if you can get them like east to west mm-hmm. and then you catch those bucks coming out north to south crossing as many doe trails as they can. Mm-hmm. And what that buck was doing is he would come out, cross his doe trail. And it was an area where there were like a couple doe trails on a ridge, like one right on the transition, another one like 30 yards up. And then another one up on top of like the ridge and he would go up and he would just do U and just do a U-turn and come right back. And he would just cross those couple trails. If he didn't smell what he wanted, he was going back into the cattails as cut for cover. And he would go down and into that swamp and he would run then along the, the transition, but he was staying in. And the only yeah. reason I knew that, cause I was putting, I was finding these trails coming out of cat, the cat, the, you know, the, the cattails the swamp mm-hmm. and i was sticking cameras on like every one of them because i saw him i saw him i think the year before i think i i think i yeah i laid eyes on him the year before and i was like man i think it was late season so i knew he i was assuming he didn't get killed so i was it was right when i got into public land hunting so i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna make try to go all in on this deer because he was he was a good deer yeah and I, I just lined like three cameras up on that every time I the heaviest trails. And that's how I caught him. And that's how I started to zero in on him that year because he was just coming out. Like I said, he was he was crossing those like two or three trails. If he didn't smell what he wanted, he would just loop right back in. And he was coming down and he popped back out like 100 yards, 150 yards down this down in the next transition. Do the same thing. Did you so, backtrack him to his bed? I tried. I I was pro. I did. I wasn't dressed properly, and it gets pretty. The swamp isn't big, but it gets yeah. pretty freaking deep. Yeah, like it just, and you could see like when you got up into a tree, you could see the little, 
little clusters of trees out there. I'm like, well, that's where he's bedding. There's he's not floating around out there on a you know on his back sleeping. Like he's yeah. obviously. I don't know if he was just. I mean, they can navigate way better than we can. So he was oh, probably. Yeah. He was probably not walking straight lines. Like he was probably zigzagging all through there to get to that, because more than likely he was going on J hooking it to some extent. But yeah, I mean, I I only can confirm where his bed was because, yeah, because I could just like I said, I could see the clusters of trees. The, yeah. The one thing that I kicked myself in the ass for not doing was going back there in like during the freeze up. When I could have gone out there just to see and confirm. And then the next year's when that kid shot him. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it probably would have paid off to go out there. What I, I can't, I can't say I would have killed him. You know, I, I probably would have honestly been hunting him similar to how I, I mean, it him. sounded like you had his pattern down anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I had him kind of zeroed in and I, I mean, you know, the, the real kicker is there's going to be people listening probably to this that are going to be like, aha, now we know when I say this, there's a house for sale that that <laughs> literally is <laughs> right there and it connects into that property. It's like a half, it's over a half million dollars. And I'm like, it's just, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. And I'm like, I could just, it'd be, it would be ideal. But like I said, yeah. it's it's well, it's a couple, it's like six hundred thousand dollars has like thirty some acre. Like, yeah. yeah, strip mine pays well, but not that well. <laughs> so when you're in the swamp, and this is something that I that I I see and I I struggle with, and I think anybody would struggle with in some of the areas I hunt. Um, and maybe you see the same thing. Do you see the dominant bucks sometimes by dominant? not talking age because we don't get a ton of older deer but just like the bigger bucks on the property not leaving sign yeah because i don't think i can't say i'll go back to that buck i can't say that there was any real sign that led me to believe there was a big buck in that area like there was no there was no thumb size branches snapped on a licking branch there was no thigh you know thigh size trees being shredded nothing like that it was just the fact that i laid eyes on them and threw some cameras up and caught them again on camera saw them on the hoof like i said like 80 yards away hunting them like don't get me wrong there was sign there but it i can't confirm that i wouldn't have if I would have just seen the sign, I wouldn't have been like, oh, man, I got to go hunt this sign. Yeah. You know I, mean? no, I see the same thing. Um, I see like very, very little sign in in a lot of the areas that I hunt anyway. Because I'll try to hunt when I, if I'm crashing up there, right? If I'm, if I'm sleeping in these areas, I try to pick areas that have multiple pieces of public. Mm-hmm. You know, it's set up for different things, like different winds and things like that. Okay, bad wind, I can jump over here. And I see the same thing in a lot of the areas where I just see very little sign outside of the very primary areas where they bed. Um, and a lot of times those areas are so far back in the swamp from um, anywhere that they'd like to rub. Maybe you know a certain tree that they that they'd like to rub, whether it's a, a cedar, something good like that, mm-hmm. something softer. Um, 
or just you're looking for those real subtle things like broken off branches or, you know, a scrape can be 400 yards away because there's just no area to make a scrape. And I really see a lot of these bigger bucks just really not leaving sign. And, you know, I'll put maybe a hang of camera on some of the smaller sign that looks like it's hit a lot. Right. And you catch a buck like skirting the backside of it, mm -hmm. you know, and never actually touching it. So I think a lot of these bigger bucks in these high pressure areas and maybe pressure has nothing to do with it. I, right. Who knows? I can't confirm that, but a lot of times it's like, you look at a map or you're in those spots and you're like, okay, you know what? It's worth a shot. Something could get old back here. Yeah. There's not a lot of pressure. I don't see any stands still hanging because Michigan hunters never take their stands down. Same here. The mobile thing is it's very popular now. So you're not always going to know if somebody's in there. Um, but there was a time last year I, hung, I got up in a stand and I climbed this little bean pole of a tree. And then I looked at the tree and I was like, damn, when I got to the top, I could see climbing stick marks in yep. the tree. It's like, good for him. <laughs> you yep. know, we were thinking the same thing. I didn't see anything, but. I um, saw a, uh, I was, I was out with my buddy. He's just getting into, into hunting and he's, we're slowly piecing them together, like his saddle stuff. And he, uh, when I got a new bow this year, he's, he's going all in on archery and, and he's 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 really eager to learn so i i'll yeah. take him out we'll do scouting trips together and and you know i'll explain why i'm doing this and honestly it's great having him there sometimes because he found a scrape that i would have i would literally would have not i didn't even i was blowing past it and he was like what yeah. isn't isn't this a scrape over here i was like oh matter of fact it is and we actually circled back around and i and i found a tree right down there that had you could see where a guy climbed or yeah. a climber and i'm like and I'm telling him, I'm like, I'm not going to try to, I don't want you to think I, I know it all. I told him or anything like that, but this guy's probably, I'm probably not going to hunt here because not because there's somebody in here, but because this guy, the way, like it was the, the only, there was just like in the wide open, a big basketball tree, perfectly straight, no cover. And yeah. I'm like, you could almost see how all the higher he was getting. I'm like, he has to be silhouetted. So more than likely any big deer coming. Yeah coming down through there it's probably gonna be blown out i said but and then we kept walking a little bit further and there was a, a trail camera yeah. so i'm like so he's obviously in here he's doing his work but yeah I, i've I, that's that's the only time i've ever picked up on on that but like you said it's becoming becoming a big thing these days i'm waiting yeah. for it to die off actually it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere yeah it's i man you know and it's funny too because i'll run into people and I'll run into people that will talk about mobile hunting. Like they're the first person to ever do it. Right. Yep. And I'm like, man, I'm an adult onset hunter. Like I'm not, I haven't been doing this my whole life. And I found my way into this. So yeah. you're definitely not the first person to do this. You know, there's a dude I work with and I was telling him about it. Cause he was like, well, how are you doing all this? Like, how are you moving? Are you you're tearing all this stuff down? And I explained to him like what I have. And he was so, He's the dude I told you has like seven or eight 150 pluses yeah. and you won't catch him on a podcast. I've talked about him before. You, he won't listen to podcasts. He doesn't care about social media. He don't, he doesn't want any, no, he doesn't want anybody to know what he's doing, where he's at. He's just, he's just a killer. There's no doubt about it. the dude is just lives, breathes. Like he probably a lot just of got guys home. out there like that. 
he probably just got home from driving around with his dog looking for deer. Like he does it every night almost. He takes his dog for like a five mile loop, and he, uh, I was explaining, and he's a he's a he's a pretty good fabricator. And he's like, well, I could probably make this, and oh man, there's probably a big market for this, right? Like, I could, I could probably sell all this stuff. And I was like, dude, you are, you are years behind. And he was like, what? And I started showing him stuff, and I'm like, these, like, these sticks weigh like a pound and a half. And I'm like, the stuff you're talking about, like, that's like you're you're talking like you're building sticks and platforms, and I'm like, it's just never, like, these are all machined. And yeah. he's like, I had no idea this was such a big thing. Yeah, there's never been a better time to be a mobile hunter, though, right? Yeah, yeah. anything you could ever imagine. Great. Yeah, I I got my hand on a on some Lone Wolf custom gear sticks yeah. yesterday. They came. Oh my gosh! I don't know why I've never. The, I mean, I I was hesitant for so long because I mean they were they were pricey. Yep. And I finally. I finally pulled the trigger and I'm, I'm already happy. I did like, I haven't even put them on a tree yet, but Which ones stacking them get? up and uh, I got the double 17s. Okay. That's what I ran all year last year. Yep. I got, I got three with, with three 20 inch eighters. So the cable eighters. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I was already asking people, uh, Justin Cyan, he run, he has the running gun podcast. I was okay. like, I first, as soon as I, I stuck them together, I'm like, well, they don't stack like they're supposed to with the eighters. So I'm like, text, and I'm like, how, how do I, like, what, do, what am I doing wrong? So he sends me a picture. I'm like, I, and I think of that. Like, you can move the eighters and wrap them up. And I'm like, I'm carrying around my house, like, all like my gear ties. My wife's like, are you happy? I'm like, yeah, why? She's like, because you look like a little kid that just got what he wanted on Christmas. Yeah. And You've I been carrying them around since they came in. Oh, uh, they're sitting right there. <laughs> and I, I told, I asked Justin, I was like, did they, uh, they always send candy in this? Uh, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he's like, those are the tree stand snacks. I was like, oh, my, my son got a hold of them. And I told him that, that was the most expensive Twizzler he's ever going to eat. So you better enjoy <laughs> it. You know, what's funny is I, so I run Lone Wolf custom gear stuff and I bought a, a set of sticks and a stand from a guy on one of the forums. And it was still in the box. He bought it for his wife. And then I guess she decided she didn't want to be a mobile hunter. So it was like brand new in the box. He had never been on a tree, never used it. So I, I bought it and he sent it to me in the original box, in the original packaging. There was no candy in it. Uh-huh. I was like, he ate the candy. He ate the candy. <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing until I started seeing it on the forums. And I was yep. like, he ate the candy. He opened it up and ate the candy. <laughs> hey, can you blame him? Yeah. But yeah, I couldn't be happier with that stuff either. There's a lot of good products out here. Oh yeah, I mean every company out there now is they they have everything figured out. I mean be- oh, yeah. between stands and sticks and saddles, and it's like I tell everybody, it's Ford, Chevy, Dodge. I mean it's oh yeah, it's 2023. What's that's all your preference? What you like? I mean mm-hmm. you're not you can't go wrong with any of them. I mean, yeah, I yeah, ran absolutely. I ran a couple different saddles before I. I settled on i actually got a new one this year so i went i got a latitude this year okay i I ran trophy line and cruiser and it wasn't even that i was really on i got a i had a trophy line before they really started changing all their stuff up so it was like an older one but i ran that cruiser for a couple years and i actually sold it to my buddy that is just getting into everything and i told him i said there's nothing really wrong with it i just 
I wanted something. I wanted to do something. I wanted another You're playing one, with you know? gear at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to make it so I don't, I, I have what I want and I just don't have to. Like, I know I probably won't ever buy another set of sticks. Yeah. Like, and that's what everybody told me. Like, what is the saying? Pay once, cry once or something like that. Like, like just if you invest in lone wolf stuff, like, I'm not saying that the other stuff's bad, but you just, when you hold those sticks and I'm sure their stands are the same way, you just, you know, if they're, they're probably last me my lifetime. Yeah. You know, if, if I want them to, you know. Yeah. You know, the thing is though, is like, I, I hear that statement. I hear guys say, yeah, you'll have this for the rest of your life. And it's like, yeah, but the innovation just keeps coming. And yeah. like even Lone Wolf, you know, they keep adding little more quirks into their stands. And- oh yeah. With the machining, it's so easy for these guys to add little things in, and it's like, okay, you know, honestly, what's next? Like, what's going to grab your attention? Right. Yeah. You know, and so. it helps that like the guys that you know, Cody and his dad, like they're they they use it, so they see and yeah. they listen. They listen to what everybody's the wants of the customers and the other hunters, and like they're out there. They're like, well, I could probably do this different to make it stack better. Like, I think the profile is like under three inches for three sticks. It's like two yeah. and a half inches or something like that. Yeah. But like, I was, I was showing my wife. I'm like, look, I'm like, everything just fits. Like everything, every, and that's what I loved about them. First thing, I mean, like, everything just has a, a little hole cut out for the, for the aider bolt for the, mm-hmm. it just, they're nice, man. I can see why, why so many people drink the Kool-Aid stuff. I've heard people say they're like, once you yeah. start buying that lone wolf stuff, it seems it seems like you just yeah stop. you know it's you know i was like that because i hunted out of a saddle for a few years um and like i was like that when i got so i started with like an arrow hunter an mm-hmm. arrow hunter kite and i and loved it it was super light i could wear it around it never fell down or anything like that and then i bought a tx5 and it's like wow like this guy's gear is just like top notch you know and i never actually ran it because I started getting so deep into the swamp that some of those little trees just weren't as con- like as welcoming for a saddle as they were yeah. like a hang on. And that's kind of why I switched. Um, but man, like he's another one, like small company, handmade pricey, but man, is his stuff nice. Like he's that's just the other one. I've, I probably don't need to hear too much more about him because I've talked to people who run them and I'm like, I just got a new saddle. Like, I don't, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to run this one for a while. And I don't, I mean, it's comfortable. It's yeah. I'm super. It's latitude. Yeah. I just got the classic. Okay. But it's just, I'm not a big dude. So like it fits me perfectly. I'm I don't really think I would ever like a two panel. Everybody says they're super comfortable, but I just don't, I mean, never know. Uh, I could like it if I put one on, but. Yeah, I had the I, same feeling though. Like it just seems like one extra step to me. Right. But guys love them, man. They love them. Yeah, and the, like like you said, that tree wasn't too welcoming for for saddle. I mean, I I like saddle hunting because I don't have to hunt high. I can use the tree to hide, you know, yeah. behind. I know a lot of guys are setting up their stand on the backside of the tree. But yeah, I, mean, I do that quite frequently. Like my like my buck last year, I was hiding behind the tree, and he was looking up. And the only reason I was knew he was still there i've watched him in my viewfinder my camera like i was i was hiding behind the tree and that was the only thing that saved me was the fact that i could do that but yeah he definitely knew something was up yeah 
Yeah, you can. But all move. right, man. Let's. Uh, we're gonna wrap this up. I got questions I've been asking everybody at the end to finish the the podcast up. Is what are your top three dream hunts? Oh man. Okay. Um, so. You mean whitetail? Are we talking whitetail? Nope. You can do anything. You can do exotic. You can do over Canada, anywhere. Okay. Um, I really... Kansas really intrigues me for whitetail. I really want to do a Kansas hunt. Um, The drive's kind of slowing me down with work and everything, but I really want to do a Kansas whitetail hunt. I like the spot and stock open area type deal. I really want to try it, challenge myself. Um, obviously I think as a whitetail guy, I have to say Iowa, you know, I just, I can't leave that out, but I've really been watching the guys, um, do the Western hunts. So anything out West, it can be for yep. anything. I just want that experience of going yep. out West, um, probably high country. high country mule deer hunt, you know, any of those States, just something backwoods. Sleeping like in a, a tent. Like, a, like a spike camp. Yeah. Always on I mean, the move. Yes. Sleep, wake up, walk, hunt, you know, something like that. Glassing, sitting in the mountains over a campfire, something yep. like that really interests me. Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be I don't think it could get much better than that. No, no. And I'm you know, I'm from a state where we don't have grizzly bears. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's a concern to me, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, something like that I think would be a hell of an experience. Uh, all right, Joshua, I appreciate you coming on. If anybody's looking to find you, follow along with your you know, your season, where can they do that? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, page name is The Non-Typical. Constantly, I mean, I'm, I'm posting all year long, all my scouting and everything like that. Always linking with people, so shooting ideas off me. Let me shoot some ideas off you. We'll get along great. all righty man josh i I thank you again for coming on man it was a great conversation we've been at it for recording for a little over an hour but i think we've been talking for about two hours now so it it was great talking to you and i appreciate you coming on everybody for tuning in to another episode of origins of the hunt podcast and remember never stop learning